If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Today I have a special guest and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you, speaker Mike Schultz. Mike, you're making yeah. me look like a legitimate podcast by being here. <laughs> well, you are. You're the mayor of Cageville. Absolutely. Mayor, thank you for having me. I'm actually really excited to be here. I, I love getting out into our communities all across the state. And so I, I really appreciate this opportunity to come uh, speak and have a conversation with you and uh, with your residents. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Um, I was just, my burning question is, how did you start your political career? What, did someone talk you into it? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I uh, I never in a million years imagined that I would get into politics. I spent my life uh, early on farming and ranching, uh, then got into uh, business, all sides of all areas of business, um, and then I I kind of had a thing, a couple things that changed in my life, and I just felt like that I this need to to give back. I absolutely love Utah. Um, I think it's the best state in the nation. I always have. I love Northern Utah. Um, uh, born and raised uh, in Hooper for the most part. And uh, I just, and I didn't know what that would be like, um, but I felt like it was just time to do something. And I had an issue come up and that, that I was passionate about, and it got me interested and engaged in uh, the legislature. And I had always been a delegate or voted or paid attention to politics, but I'd never gotten into politics at all. And so I just thought, you know what, this there's an opportunity here for me to try. I didn't think I'd win, honestly, running for the legislature, but I did. And so uh, I, I've just really enjoyed, I've been in the legislature nine years now, almost 10, going on my 10th year, and uh, we're lucky. We have a great uh, legislature in the state of Utah, and it's truly a reflection of the people. We have great people in this state, and so uh, it, it, it's been fun. I, I agree with everything you've said as far as just great state, great people, great involved people. Yeah. You know, what I really appreciate is, um, well, for example, last night we had the opportunity to meet with you and President Adams. Yes. And it was nice that you'd carve out time. I realize it's, yes. it's part of your job to do that as well. But um, the fact that you were able to just sit down and have a really candid conversations with us yeah. is wonderful. I, I may be a little bit different, and President Adams is the same way. I don't like politicians that just beat around the bush. I'm a little more direct to the point. I want to know how you feel, and I want you to be honest with me, and in return, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel, and I'm going to be honest with you, and then let's figure out a way forward, right? Because I think so often in politics, it's like, well, I'm trying to parse through what he said and what he meant by it and trying to piece together because I didn't really quite understand what he meant by that. You will always know where I'm at on an, on an, on an issue. And I, I, it's a little bit unique sometimes, I think, in politics, but it's so important uh, for people to understand where each 
uh, where, where all sides are at, and then figure out a way to move forward for what's best for the citizens of our communities and the citizens of our state. You know, it was really refreshing watching both of you in that meeting. <laughs> I've, I've been in meetings before. I went home and told my husband, I said, I really like Speaker Schultz. <laughs> I, I would much rather have someone tell me to my face, yeah. I don't agree with you, and here's why, yeah. than to pretend that they do and yeah. then stab me in the back and tell everyone why they hate me or why they hate my policy. And that, yeah, that's and such a waste of time. And that's so typical because people are afraid to have tough conversations anymore. And there's a way you can do it and should do it. You don't absolutely do not be, need to be dis disrespectful uh, to the other side. Um, and uh, you shouldn't be. It's a difference of opinion, and it's, okay, this is where I'm at, here's where you're at. How can we find a way to come together to solve the problem? Exactly. And that's the approach that I try to take. Well, and it really helps move the conversation. It does. I mean, we could have sat in that room for another five hours circling yeah. the wagon. Yeah. It was just so nice to know exactly where you stood, yep. where, you've, where you've been from your vantage point, and where yep. you want to move forward. Yep. And so I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I think good leadership is is having those hard conversations for sure. So. And on the other side, I appreciated the conversation uh, that uh, that we had because it was probably the first productive conversation that we've had in several years. So we appreciate that as well. Well, and you know what? People walking away from the meeting said the same thing. Good. They That's... said, you know, it wasn't exactly what we wanted, but we yeah. got somewhere. Yes. It was a, it, we accomplished something. So yes. thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. So your first month as speaker. Yeah. How's it been? It's been interesting. I it's, mean, you were already second in command, right? <laughs> so you've been in all the meetings probably. Uh, well, you, most of them, but it, it is different and uh, it's significantly different. The first thing I noticed was the governor actually cares what I think now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just kind of being a little bit, it, it is a little bit interesting to get a call from the governor and say, hey, what, tell me what you think on this issue or whatever. But right. I, you know, it's been a really neat and humbling experience. It's a, uh, it, 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 it's fun to be able to see the respect that people have for the position. I know it's not me because I know how people treated me three, four weeks ago and mm -hmm. I understand how they treat me now. <laughs> and then I see how people treat That's our former speakers. And, right. uh, you know, so it's not about the person, it's about the position. And, uh, you know, the Utah House of Representatives, I think, is the best body in the state. And uh, I'm a little bit partial, obviously, because I've been a member of that now for almost 10 years and have the opportunity to lead that body. And we do have a great group of representatives right now on both sides of the aisle, uh, quite honestly. And, uh, you know, we're lucky and uh, we're different than other states in the nation. Uh, we actually get uh, get work done and we actually come together. We have a, a great relationship uh, with leadership in the Senate and our Senate colleagues and uh, a great relationship with the executive branch, the governor uh, and his his team. And it takes everybody given a little bit on that to keep that relationship because in, even just in the surrounding states that, that uh, you know, where it's Wyoming, Idaho, or, uh, but there's so many other states to where they don't have that relationship with the executive branch or the other body, whether it's the House or the Senate. And so they ends up being a lot of fighting back and forth. And we just, like similar to the meeting that uh, we had yesterday, let's just sit down understand everybody's issues and their concerns and figure out a, and chart a pathway forward. And uh, that that's the approach that, that uh, former Speaker Brad Wilson put in front of us. And that's the, 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 the approach that I hope to take as well with things. 
Well, I um, I agree, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to do that. I was speaking to Brad; he was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and he and you you spoke to the position, yeah, and the responsibility of the position. And he said, you know, my phone has not it's not ringing anymore. <laughs> he said it's a really interesting abrupt change. Yes, where now he's a, he was lame duck at the at the time, yeah, yeah. you know, week out yeah. um, of not being speaker, and he said people aren't calling me anymore. Yeah. That's a that, I, I think you know so many times in politics people let that position go mm. to their heads and they think it's all about them but it's easy to recognize where you were at and to recognize <laughs> right, where difference. and then re put into perspective it is about the position and it is about serving the state for the time that you're there in that position well i really appreciate the fact that that is a leader that yeah. that's the type of leader that you are yeah. as we're talking about positions um you know i as mayor Prior to mayor, nobody really cared what I thought. <laughs> it, aside from my little neighborhood, they'd yes. ask my, my, me questions. Yeah. But I feel like I have a megaphone right now, an mm -hmm. opportunity that people might be listening. Yes. So people have told me, don't endorse. And, mm -hmm. and I disagree with that because yeah. I think, you know, I would have endorsed prior to being mayor. Yeah. I'm not going to change who I am. So I'm willing to endorse. So I have a question for you. Yes. I, um, in, I'm endorsing Governor Cox. Yeah. Now, I supported him the first election. I'm supporting him the second. Yeah. Obviously, I don't agree with everything. Yeah. How do you feel about that? And what is your relationship with him like? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it says a lot about you, uh, Mayor, that you're even considering that because the safe position is to not endorse. But in my position, leaders lead. And I do not follow the, uh, you know, do nothing to offend nobody uh, rule. That's a rule in politics and some, sometimes, right? Because right. Uh, if you do nothing, you're not going to offend anybody. True. If you do something, you're going to offend somebody. And no matter the decision you make in politics, you're going to uh, make 50% of the people unhappy in many cases. And so it's, but it's important because there's tough decisions and we have to lead. We should lead. I think the community looks up to you. You're in a leadership position. You have a working relationship with the legislature, with the governor's office. And I think People need to know and understand your perspective. And so I, I do think uh, that uh, uh, elected officials should endorse because they have firsthand knowledge of what's going on and, and, who do, and, and, and the reasons why. And I can understand maybe there's some sensitivities <clears throat> sometimes when uh, they, they maybe should stay out of it. But I'm actually, you know, you'll, you'll see me come out and endorse um, some people, you know, for the, uh, uh, in the governor's race and uh, the presidential race, I think. Um, and I've been told a hundred times, stay out of it. But, I have too, uh, but I haven't. But I don't think I'm going to. And so, in fact, I was working on some talking points the first thing this morning oh. um, on my thoughts on the debate last night. And so, I, I actually appreciate a good, solid, strong leadership, and I think that's important. And I so I, I think that's what that shows, and I think uh, people need to know and understand your perspective. Governor Cox has been fantastic um, uh, to work with. I'll, I'll say this: uh, I supported uh, Greg Hughes for governor, um, and. Uh, I, I, I didn't have a great working relationship. In fact, we kind of butted heads for the first year, year and a half that he with was Governor with Governor Cox uh, when he was in, came into office. 
But I'll tell you what, uh, after watching him, and you know, it took him a minute to grow into that position, uh, and he'll, he'll, he, he admits that. I'm not saying something that, you know, uh, that, that he wouldn't agree with. It took him a minute to grow into that position. I think it took a minute for the legislature and me to figure him out in that position. But if you watch him, he puts good people in good positions that are not afraid to go in and push back on the status quo. And um, I really appreciate that. He's been leading out with his chin for the last year to two years. And uh, that's what good leaders do. We have some tough decisions that we have to make in this state. And there's no easy answers. And I've really been impressed uh, with him. And, uh, you know, I don't always agree with with him. Um, but uh, I've found him to be in those areas where I don't disagree. We can generally sit down and, and figure out a way forward. And, and that's all that I can, all, all that I can ask. And um, I, I do, I think he's done a fantastic job so far. Well, that's really good to know. Thank you. I appreciate hearing that from yeah, you because you work with him on I a work, daily basis, yep. hourly basis, probably. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you're um, a new speaker, mm-hmm. what are some of your priorities? What are some of your goals? Holy cow. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, we have some big issues happening right now in the state of Utah with our federal government. Uh, the, the, the Biden administration is choking, whether it's through the EPA or whatever agency, the, the uh, uh, Department of Interior, they are choking Utah right now, and we have got to push back. Uh, they are taking away uh, the decision-making power of the, the, the state on right. a regular basis, and it's, has, it's having uh, big consequences, and power is one of them. One of the regulations that's coming at us with the OTR rule uh, would start to shut down our, our power plants in the state of Utah, our clean coal-burning power plants in the state of Utah by the end of 2026 with no possible way forward uh, to to change or switch over or or whatever else. And so at a minimum, we're probably looking at a 30 to 40% increase uh, on, on on people's power bills. Yes, that's that, And that's short-term, long-term. Right. It, it, it's going to double and maybe triple if if they get everything accomplished that they're trying to push down on us. And so we are pushing back hard on our energy. Luckily, we uh, we uh, won around in the courts on our energy and on our power plants. And uh, and so we don't have to twenty twenty. Six is not uh, the end of 2026 isn't uh, going to happen anymore. It could still happen if we lose, but uh, that's just one area. Uh, the the you know whether it's federal lands. Um, there's some issues with the Bears Ears Monument right mm-hmm. now, and the, we're worried about the regulations that's coming forward. The, Mo, the Moab, uh, what's happened in Moab, right. uh, cutting off all the trails in Moab. They are wanting to cut off our quality of life. I mean, can you imagine uh, losing our reliable, dispatchable power in the state of Utah? I can't. That would be catastrophic. And they don't have a plan forward. Like, okay, you want to get rid of coal? Let's have that conversation, I guess. That's what you want to do. But let's find a plan forward. Right. 
right now it's all renewables. Well, we have more energy than we need in the middle of the day when the sun's shining. We don't have a way to store that energy. And the highest use for power is in the evening when the sun isn't shining. And so, uh, and then put on top of that, sometime over the next 20 years with the shift, with everything moving to electric, uh, right, our, our, our energy demand is expected to double over the next 20 years and we have no pathway forward. And so it's like, I just want to get back to common sense governing mm-hmm. and I want to get back to common sense. So it's so important that we get someone in the White House this next go around that can reverse all these things that are coming at us. I agree. Otherwise, we're going to be limiting the amount of power that mm-hmm. like they did in Europe, they're going to be limiting the amount of power that the citizens of this state can uh, use. And it's it, in some, I, I, I know it's some of their goals to actually do that. And uh, it's sad to hear that and see that, but there is a group out there that's pushing to, that, that we need to use less power. Uh, and, you know, that's turning our AC units that's off ridiculous. Uh-huh. In, the, in the heat of the heat of the day you know bumping them up to 80 85 degrees and anyway so there there's the there that's one of the biggest things that you're going to see me working on and and pushing back on is the federal overreach well i'm grateful that you're there to do that i agree with everything that you've just said and i'm just as passionate about it and my husband's even worse (laughs) screaming at the television every time Biden or (laughs) anything's being reported. He just cannot stand what's happening. It's horrible. If you look at what they're trying to push, it's like it doesn't It doesn't make sense. It It doesn't doesn't unless there's this evil master plan, and that's what's scary to me. Yes. And I'm not a total conspiracy theorist, but there's some truth to everything. Well, the the, the master plan behind this, the energy stuff, is really to get people to use less power to turn their AC units up. to to uh, to eighty ninety eighty eighty five degrees, or uh, to to not drive uh, their vehicles. I mean, they right. really want to r- increase the price of gasoline in our nation to the point to where just you can't to truly limit us to to limit yeah. our like. Anyways, I, it just that's that's what, one of your priorities for sure. That's what's going on behind the scenes that's pushing this. So anyways. What do you think about Governor Cox's budget that he's releasing yeah. in incremental um, announcements? Um, yeah, so uh, I, the, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have as much money as Governor Cox has in his budget because right. we... He, that's what I keep hearing. Yeah, uh, he, uh, with all due respect to our good governor, uh, you know, that's always one of the, the contentions between the legislature and the governor's office. Uh, you know, legislature is constitutionally, uh, that's our number one requirement, actually, is to, to mm. balance uh, the budget. And we do so from a very conservative standpoint. And not that Governor Cox didn't do it conservatively, because he did. But we set aside about $800 million last year uh, to put it towards uh, transportation. Um, and part of that would go to rebuilding I-15 from um, uh, Salt Lake to Farmington. Um, and we need to have that happen because you have West Davis Corridor now that's tying in. You have right. Highway 89 that just finished that's tying in. That's going to become a big choke point. 
between uh, Farmington sure. and Salt Lake. And so that's, you know, part of the reason why that was set aside is so that we could do a full rebuild of I-15 uh, between Farmington and um, Salt Lake, uh, as well as not hurt any other uh, road projects across the state. You know, you look at what's going on in Utah County and, uh, you know, so many other areas of the state. Right. They've got serious congestion on our roads. And so that $800 million that we set aside last year is super important. And, you know, the, the, the governor's budget took that and uh, spent that this year on other things. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to work through that. We're, we're, we're going to protect that $800 million. It's okay. so important because we have to have it. And uh, that money was already spent last year. And so it's already uh, committed. Probably. Yeah. Right, you can't mostly. spend it twice. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, as we're talking about um, transportation and roads, I appreciate that you're talking about that. We have some road issues in Kaysville, for sure. Yeah. We've got an interchange that we're on the line in line to, to get rebuilt. Yes. Um, as we're talking about all of those things, it circles back to housing. Yes. Now, I have a question for you. Yes. And I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Not at all. But as a home builder, yes. you know, we hear this conversation. In fact, very recently from Governor Cox, I was on the front row for that committee hearing yes. where he said, cities, you need to step up. Yes. And as cities... We're saying, look, we we are stepping up. We yeah. don't control the market. We don't control. We're not developers. Yeah. So we allow for density, and then the developers respond with, "Okay, you're allowing for density. Great. We're going to put thirty uh, townhomes. Yeah. Three feet tall. Yeah. Five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar price tags. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna bring this to your city, and you're gonna be so grateful for it. <laughs> and and on one hand, it's yeah. housing. Yeah. Sure, we're grateful. Yeah. On the other hand, our kids, my kids, who yes. my son-in-law graduated with his master's from BYU. He makes good money. Yeah. Too much money to qualify for the state project or the the program or the county program, but they can't get into a house. Yeah. So how can, I guess my question is, how yeah. can we as cities incentivize developers to build a smaller product? Yeah. That's Gr affordable. Great question. So first off, uh, former, I'm a former, uh, former, uh, yes, uh, home, retired uh, home, home builder. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm no longer in that uh, area uh, any, any longer. I, I, I uh, got uh, about a year ago um, pulled oh, out good. of that. So okay. and, uh, but. Uh, but I do. It's something that I know a lot about. Um, I've spent a good more portion of my career in uh, building ha houses for for people, for our kids, for our grandkids. Second and uh, third time home buyer. Like it's it's been a passion of mine. I actually love helping people accomplish the American dream and owning a home. And uh, so it was hard for me to get out of that, but. I know a lot about it, and 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 you, what you've mentioned, Mary, is 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 a concern, and so here's how I would work through that um, for your community. We have to provide opportunities for our kids and our grandkids, and we talked about uh, Governor Cox in uh, er, earlier, and that's one of the things I really appreciate, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about his budget. You know, we've got a lot of details to work through on that. But he hit the nail on the head. It's about we need home ownership. Absolutely. And we need opportunities for our kids and our grandkids uh, to have a place to live because it's they're the ones suffering. There's plenty of opportunity for the people that are moving here from California, Oregon, Washington, and other areas of the state to sell their house in those parts of the 
country. Pay cash for these. Come to Utah, build a nice big house or buy a nice house on a nice pay cash for it. Those people are doing just fine. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities out there. It's for our kids and our grandkids. And that's to your point. You know, how can cities work to create home ownership? Um, that's one of the things that he kind of laid out in his uh, budget as a way that to, to do it. And, um, and you know, we've got some tweaking that we probably need to do. We need to work with the cities and mm-hmm. the counties to come together and, and, and figure that out a little bit. But, but it can be done also through development agreements. True. Um, and uh, you can, the cities can lay out in the development agreements and uh, create areas and, and create the opportunities. And, uh, you know, and one of the things that you worry about too is a lot of these houses turn into rentals and things like that. Exactly. So we want to limit that make, because that doesn't help us. Yes. There's, there's plenty of apartments. And, and that's the thing that's, um, that's hard. If we don't get this right, mm-hmm. this home ownership thing right, it's going to force our kids into apartments. Right. And that's what's hard. So I hope that it, for the state, as cities and towns, we can come together and find a way to create opportunities for home ownership. And it'll work. It will help drive down prices. Right now, uh, you have, and there because there's so many apartments coming online, are, rent prices are actually decreasing right now, going down. So rent will be cheaper this year than it was last year because of the supply and demand. <clears throat> if we can create that thing, the same thing for uh, smaller houses for our kids and our grandkids, the opportunity to buy, um, then 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 that'll that's what's going to help do that. And um, you know that you you I think in many cases, and this is what I think the governor talked about. And you look at the houses that were built in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and many of them was great quality. You still drive through some of those areas, and I think we have a lot to learn there. Go we look do. and see what the those communities look like today. And, you know, what what worked, what didn't work, um, because they had it figured out back then. They did. Uh, and so, you know, small houses on smaller lots that people can afford for our kids and our grandkids. So I think that's a way forward. Well, I, I think and I, that's another reason why I, I am endorsing a Governor Cox. 35,000 single family or owner occupied properties would be wonderful. Yeah. It, it's a great goal. And I hope we can get there. And the neat part of that, you know. People worry, including myself, about is Utah uh, turning blue, uh, just like Colorado did, just mm-hmm. like Arizona has. And uh, one of the things, if we can keep home ownership a top priority in the right. state, that generally leans to conservative principles. So Absolutely. it's something that I, th- I, I, I'm a firm believer in. If our kids uh, and grandkids are tied to the to the communities through home ownership they care more they're more passionate about it they engage more and That's true. so the, and and the, our kids can live here yes. and our kids are are learning from our values and our yeah. our political philosophies and so it does make that m- more possible yeah. i i guess it's just I, I would love to see the state and maybe the state's already working on it um figure out ways to incentivize builders to build that product because even if we entitle property and we say, okay, this is, you know, yes, you can do this, they still don't do it. Well, that's and where, so I don't know how to, yeah. I don't know how well, to do that. And that's where, you know, the new zone that Governor Cox is kind of coming up and talking with that he's been talking with the city about, <clears throat> that's a, that is a way that it can be done. And then also through um, 
the development agreements. Right, okay. <clears throat> Cities can actually limit, uh, through development agreements, um, the size and square footage of the houses and uh, create the opportunities uh, for kids and grandkids right now. But the new zone that's, that's, that's coming um, that I think we're trying to work on would create, would, would uh, solve a lot of the concerns that you've mentioned. You mentioned something. Yeah. New zone. It, the new zone that cities can adopt. Oh, okay. So the state's working on a zone that could be adopted, but it won't be mandatory. No, it's not mandatory. Okay. Can are you? Can you talk about it a little bit? Or um, well, I think that's what you know. The governor Cox mentioned a little bit he about did, it. Alluded in, to it. Yeah, that's that. There's a lot of details that need okay, to be worked out. So we'll I know wait that to see. he he's been working with the 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 cities in the league, but um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that you know. Without raising the property taxes, maybe we can carve off some of the property taxes and give it to the city for those zones. That would be, zones. That would be I, fantastic. That's one of the things that I think is, uh, you know, will, will help. Um, and that I, I think this, I think the cities and the residents will like where where this goes and the things that I've been hearing. So, really? Okay, yeah. that's fantastic. I love the fact yeah. that the state is working with yeah. the, the league. I'm on the yes. board of the league, and so I, I probably know a little bit about that. But yeah. yeah, it's really good news. Well, thank you so much. I was going to ask you, so as far as um, what's on the horizon for Utah, just as we're wrapping up, yeah. we just heard that we're, we're going to get the Olympics in 2034. Yeah. Which is super exciting. And then what I've heard from that is that we'll be on a rotation, hopefully, and then every couple of years we'll we'll be able to plan on having the Olympics. So is that it's, true? It's it's really interesting. We would have gotten the Olympics in twenty thirty had it not been for the LA games in twenty twenty eight. Oh, okay. And so we decided strategically to probably not pursue the twenty thirty Olympics because we would have had a hard time fundraising uh, to cover the cost of those games. Okay. We don't want this to have an impact on the citizens of the state uh, financially. And so uh, w we needed the gap there um, because uh, it's it's a lot of money. And so the sponsors um, that, that participate in these games, to, ha to have them do it two years, or, you know, just turn around from 2028 and then do it again in Salt Lake right, in, would be. in 2030, we, would, we wouldn't have got as much money raised. And so that's, we strategically went to 2034. Well, guess what? There were no other countries that could even compete with what we have to offer here in Utah. Awesome. And we, we've kept and maintained all the venues uh, almost to the point to where we can just fire them back up. And well, they're already fired they're back already up. They're being used, right, for yeah, training? Yeah, just go ahead. Now, there some upgrades need to be made, so I want to just be fair in saying that. But for the most part, they're there. We don't have to build new venues. And so, uh, we, yes, I mean, there's a reason why we're the only uh People that uh, for 2034 and in, in the, the 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 IOC asked to to bid on is because we're the only ones that can um, and are the, not the only ones that can, but we're so far ahead of everybody positioned. else. There nobody else would even have been able to compete with Utah. But so and it's becoming harder and harder for other countries to to compete. So there is a thought out there that every 10 or 12 years that would be incredible. Utah could could 
could get the Olympics. So it's neat. Uh, 80-something percent, 81%, I think, uh, of the citizens of the state support it. It's a neat opportunity. I still remember where I was at when it was announced that Utah was getting the games for 2002. I remember... Uh, where I was sitting, how I was sitting, <laughs> really, and uh, and and then I, you know, just the excitement that came came with that. Uh, now there's a lot of prep that we need to do to 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 get ready for that, and you know we need to get the infrastructure uh, built for our roads, right. uh, and and transit's going to have to play a part in that, and so we are committed to that, and and uh, that's partly why we can't take and spend that $800 million I talked about earlier on <laughs> right, other things. We, right. we, we need that money to go into our roads and to, into our transportation system, but what a neat opportunity for our kids and grandkids to have the same opportunity that we had. It'll be incredible. With, with the 2002 Olympics, so I'm yeah. excited about that. That's for my kids to be able to experience that. I'm, I'm excited too. I just remember the feeling of just being connected and yeah. being involved, and it was a it was just exciting, like not city state pride. Yeah, it was just it, so cool. To that point, we we and that's partly why we do so well. Like we we had more volunteers mm-hmm. than any other country or state ever uh, for the two thousand and two Olympics. People get involved in it and they become engaged, and it brings our community together. Yeah, it it was it was exciting, and yeah. I'm so grateful for the work that happened before to get us here because yes. I know that we wouldn't have happened had we not had the Olympics already. Yes, you've done. You're doing such a great job. I appreciate everything you're doing. I just uh, thought of one question I yeah. do have to ask. Yeah. So, in part of the governor's budget, he talked about homeless needs. Yes. So Davis County has been tasked by the state to create a shelter okay. here in Davis County, which we don't currently have. Um. There's a big number in his budget for homelessness. The needs are probably far greater than the money. Yeah. Is that something that you think will actually get some funding so that we'll be able to get some assistance in um, building the shelter th- that we need? Funding is tight this year. Um, we, you know, obviously, uh, if there's a shelter that comes, the state will have to participate, um, and the state should participate. But here's the thing that's frustrating to me, um, and it's getting better just recently. Uh, that's one of the things I like best about the mayor race, uh, Rocky Anderson and Mayor Mendenhall, mm-hmm. is Rocky Anderson came after Mayor Mendenhall hard on the homelessness stuff, as he should have. What is happening in Salt Lake? There's no enforcement. You have to enforce the rule of law. Like, right. you have to. You can't have police officers sitting, watching drug deals go down. Absolutely. And just Turn, turn, turn a blind eye. And it's not the police officers. The police officers want to enforce it, but they are getting direction from the political leaders in Salt Lake City that they can't enforce it. Is that enforce true? It. Okay, That's I hear true. those things, and I'm not that sure. That is true. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now I will say um, it's getting better. They're starting to enforce it. If you look at the numbers, they're, they're starting to do more arrests. They're cracking down. They're, they're, they're getting rid of the homeless camps. They're, they're forcing them uh, out and uh, in, into other areas and to not do the homeless camps and into shelters and, and, and everything like that. And so uh, we, Salt Lake City has messed up our homeless. They, they've done a terrible job at it. And so uh, and that's another thing. Governor Cox really put a lot of pressure on uh, the mayor, uh, Mayor Mendenhall, and Salt Lake City to get their crap together good, and good. get it fixed, and and they are that it is it is moving in the right direction. We do not want to 
become San Francisco, Absolutely. Portland. Agree with that. And the yeah. policies that are in place with no enforcement, just letting them not enforcing the rule of law, that is leading us down that road. We just have to enforce the rule of law and it will get better. We're never going to solve the problem, but if we enforce the current laws on the books, it will get better. That's where we need to start. Okay. That's good to know. I, I've heard, you know, you hear rumors of yep. things and I drive downtown and see things Well, and, and I'm glad to know that there's some the, emphasis the, and change. Mayor Mendenhall is a good person. Mm -hmm. I know her well. And, uh, in, in, in a lot of ways, she's done a great job for Salt Lake City, but uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about Rocky Anderson is he took her to task on the homelessness Good. issue and, and that needed to happen and we're starting to see some changes because of it. Well, good. I'm glad that we're. I'm glad that that'll be better, yeah. especially as the Olympics come and, yes. and everything else, and we continue to grow. In in closing, is there anything that you want to share with my listeners? Oh well, uh, you know what I I do. I just want to say this: like we are so lucky in Utah. Uh, you know, we may not always agree on issues, um, on on things, but uh, the legislature, from my experience, isn't what you read in the paper and what the media reports on. They really are people that care about the state of Utah, and they, uh, they're they there for the right reasons, most of them, and, uh, and both sides of the aisle, to be honest with you. I may not agree with uh, the Democrats, uh, but I, I, I believe that they're there for the right reasons uh, and that they're representing their constituents. And it's a reflection of the people of the state of Utah. We are lucky and fortunate. We have good people in the state of Utah, and they demand good uh, leadership out of their leaders. And uh, so we see that, we feel it, and uh, I, I, I think we're lucky um, because to, to live in the best state in the nation. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the time with you. I was going to just say, to your point, I was speaking to a Senator, who's now Senator Karen Kwan, who used to be in the House. Yeah. She was on my podcast a couple months ago, and she spoke to that. She yeah. said, you know, I'm a Democrat in a majority, you know, yes. a Republican legislature, but she can still pass bills. Yeah. And she said, kudos to your leadership yeah. and to Speaker Wilson's for yeah. that. Well, and it, it's, uh, it, uh, it, we don't agree on a lot, but sometimes we do. And right. let's figure out a way forward. So. Yeah, and come together. Come together. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.